Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian. I am coming to you with a replay from our last accountability group call. And so this is a workshop style call. So there's a little bit of live coaching. There's a little bit of workshop. There's some reflection questions that I think will be very helpful for you. And we talk about the all or nothing mindset and we talk about self-compassion. And we discuss a few ways to identify when you are thinking in an all or nothing type way. And we discuss some strategies to start becoming more aware of those situations and how to manage them. And so this is really helpful for anyone that might consider themselves to be a perfectionist or anyone that feels like sometimes they try to take on a lot, especially, well, this is not just health and fitness, people. This is really anything in life. And I think you're going to find a lot of really helpful tools in here. And I wanted to share this. Because one, I think it can be really useful, but also to share a little bit about what it's like to be in on one of the accountability group calls. And this is a group that I put together that all of my one-on-one clients have access to as part of their program. This is also something that, you know, if you have some goals in mind, you're not ready for, you know, hands-on coaching, you're not ready to to go for one-on-one or group coaching, or you're just curious, you want to have a little bit of extra support, you love the feeling of, of having a group, this is open to anyone. So if you're interested, if you listen to this and you're like, I would love to get in on this, you can do that. You can go ahead and shoot me a message on Instagram at Bite Size Nutri. I'll add a link below as well so that you can have access to me via email. And if at any point you are ready for coaching or you just want to learn more about the programs I offer, you can set up a call and we will chat. We'll discuss a little bit of the obstacles that are in your way right now. And if nothing else, you're going to leave more optimistic about what the future can look like for your nutrition. So let's go ahead and I want to do a little bit of a life update and then we can hop into the call. So I've edited the call just a tiny bit just to get rid of. There's a couple blocks in which there's nothing said because it's time for the accountability group to actually do reflection. And so instead of making you listen to like two minutes of blank air, I've just taken that out. So if you are listening to this and you'd like to do it with a pen and paper and take some notes, you can pause the podcast at different points and take those notes. But I didn't want to leave in the long things. And also there's some electronic music that was in there that I was worried I would get flagged for copyright. So life update. I'm recording this in Los Angeles. I am here dealing with some family life administrational tasks. And uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I am, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing okay because, mostly because I have my dog with me, which is just the most incredible thing in the world. And because I've been very on top of setting up a new schedule and routine for myself right away. And I think that had I not done this and been really on top of shifting my calendar, organizing my calendar, I'm still working with my clients. So I'm still working. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting podcasts out. I'm doing content for social media. I'm writing emails. I'm working with my my one-on-one clients. We've got the accountability group. So I'm still doing that. But for me, being able to shift my routine really quickly has been a lifesaver. And I'm I'm doing like the bare minimum when it comes to my nutrition, for example. And I wanted to touch on this because 
I think that when we have a lot going on in our lives, you know, I talk to a lot of my clients and, and nutrition and especially self, self-care in general is something that we let fall by the wayside because it feels like, oh my gosh, to take care of myself, I have to do so much. And it's totally normal to have a crazy week at work or have a, a project that you're super stressed out about or have family in town, which means that your capacity to do all of the things that you expect yourself to do, like meal prep or go even go to the grocery store, or cook meals, go to the gym. Sometimes we just don't have capacity to go 100% on these things. And you'll this is actually really pertinent because you'll hear about this a lot in the call that you're about to listen to. But we often just say, well, I'll get back on it when this period of time is over. And I definitely could have done that. I definitely could have been like, you know what, I'll just work out when I get back to Barcelona or like I will just order takeout because I don't want to think about eating. And that's definitely an option. I've chosen not to do that. What I've chosen to do is I went to Trader Joe's, which I freaking love Trader Joe's. Oh my God, Trader Joe's sponsor this podcast. So I went to Trader Joe's and I bought essentially the most low maintenance things I could to assemble meals. And so that means for breakfast, I'm literally throwing yogurt, fruit, uh, cereal, and peanut butter in a bowl. There's breakfast. For lunch, I've got a couple of like salad mixes that they throw in a bunch of, like a bunch of stuff in the dressing as well. And I'm adding chicken to that. And then for snacks, it's like bars and and other snacky type things. And then dinner is similar, something that I can assemble. And the reason I did that is because, yeah, it would be easier for me to order takeout. It would be really easy. I choose not to do that because I know that I'm not going to feel great if I do that. And I've also chosen to find a gym. I, I could have – there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do – at-home workouts. And the reason I chose to spend the money to find a gym that I do have to drive to, which is annoying, but whatever, it's LA. The reason I chose to do that is because one, getting out of the house is really helpful for me, even though I do have a lot going on and a lot that I have to take care of. It's an opportunity for me to get out of the house every day and have a change of scenery. And two, because I genuinely feel good putting my headphones in, whether it's a podcast or some like banging electronic, I feel good. When I put my headphones in, I look at the program that I have. I pay for a program. I look at the program and I bang out a workout. And I put on my resting bitch face and I'm like, nobody freaking talk to me. I am here to lift. And that feels good for me. And so that is what I've chosen to do to take care of myself in this time where it would have been easier to not think about it. So... Yeah, this is, this is all about choice because I'm in a situation right now that I wouldn't necessarily choose to be in, but I have made choices to take care of myself in a way that I know aligns with what future me is going to be really grateful for. So that's a little life update here. I'm sorry that went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I'm going to, I'm not going to be quiet because you're actually going to hear my voice on, on what you're going to hear now, but I'm going to let you listen to this recorded accountability call. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but everyone on this call agreed before we started recording, they agreed that it's totally fine for me to share this. So don't worry. I'm not just like sharing stuff without asking anyone. I always make sure to ask and assure them or and ask them if it's all right to share. So with that, please enjoy this accountability call. And if you at any point want to join, I am here. Please let me know. I'm happy to have you. It's 
really, really lovely to see you all. I'm so happy you're here. Um, I So I am recording this. You will get the recording after the fact as well. Um, and I wanted to ask you all, so this is, so what, basically the goal of this call is to be able to identify all or nothing thinking, accept the thought as information. So working on sort of, this is not fact, this is information, and then be able to know how to practice adjusting what you do next. So that's kind of the goal of this call. So before we get started, I want to take us through just a really quick exercise that I believe I've done with the three of you on our calls before. And so I want you, you, I, you don't need to say this out loud. You can think it in your own heads, but before we start, I'd like you to think about four things that you can see. So look around, four things that you can see. I'd like you to think about three things that you can hear. And I'd like you to think about two things that you can touch. All right. The reason I wanted to do this is to make sure that we can be really present in this call. I know this is something that all three of us or all four of us have talked about before is this feeling of being present. And I imagine that you feel a little bit calmer now than you did maybe two or three minutes ago. And that's a good thing. So we're gonna do a little bit of like education and we're gonna do a little bit of workshop. And so we wanna talk a little bit about what is all or nothing thinking before we can actually identify what it is. So do any of you want to share with me what you believe all or nothing thinking to be so that we can kind of understand where your head is at? Any thoughts? That's okay if you don't, that's totally fine if, you, if you're like, I'm not 100% sure. Um, and so all or nothing thinking is a cognitive distortion. So cognitive means like thinking and distortion is like not reality. It's like when you think of something distorted, it might be like a picture that looks a little bit weird. So it's a cognitive distortion characterized by rigid binary thinking. So when we think about binary, we think about like yes or no, black or white. It's not and, it's or. And so what often happens in all or nothing thinking is we see that there is one option or another option. One option is usually characterized as good. The other option is generally characterized as bad. And we struggle to see that there are other possibilities. And so one of the things that I think is really difficult is like we may be able to see where we are being all or quote unquote all or nothing in some areas of our lives and in other areas we may be totally blind to it and this is where we i wanted to take you through some questions and some some guidelines for how to identify all or nothing thinking i want to share an analogy with you and i want to express that this is the reason why we're going to talk about thoughts today is because all or nothing thinking really affects the way that we move through the world and it's a lot more likely to think in an all or nothing way or act in an all or nothing way when we accept our thoughts as facts rather than observing our thoughts as information. So that means like, uh, you know, we might say something like, I can't go to the gym today because I don't have time. 
So if we take that as a fact, is like, I cannot go to the gym today because I don't have time, rather than being like, huh, I'm feeling like I'm short on time today. And my, my like go-to would be to skip the gym. Both of those are like, we're short on, the facts are I'm short on time and I would like to go to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. All or someone that is all that is thinking in an all or nothing way would be like, I don't have the full hour that I would like to use to go to the gym. So there's absolutely no point in going, right? It's either I go for an hour or I don't go at all. And so this is where I like to, when we start observing all or nothing thoughts, I like to think of like taking our thoughts and almost taking them out of our heads and observing them. Like they were a fishbowl. Like, you know, there's you know, like goldfish in a fishbowl and you can kind of see what they're doing in there. And I like to think of us starting to observe our thoughts like they were fish in a fishbowl. And so this is where all three of us have talked about sort of like the power of expressive writing. Carmen, I know that you love journaling and it's been so helpful in your process of us working together. And this is where writing things down, whether you want to kind of journaling or whether you want to call it taking notes, whatever the hell you want to call it, can be really, really helpful. And part of the reason why it's so helpful is when we write things down, it's a practice of mindfulness of thought. Like we have to think about our thoughts in order to write them down, right? And I want to give you some tools for how to identify all or nothing thinking. And so for any of you that you might be aware of like, I'm thinking I'm very all or nothing in this, but I, you know, I don't think I'm all or nothing in this. How do you identify when you are thinking in an all or nothing way? Is there anything that stands out to you? Um, maybe when there is something I have to do, a task I have to do, and I do not simply contemplate the possibility of leaving it like in the middle. It's either I complete it or I do not start at all. Mm. Maybe it's the chores at the house, uh, going shopping, uh, or whatever it is, doing the groceries. It's either I do it all today or I don't start at all. Mm. And how do you identify in the moment like, oh, I'm being all or nothing? Like what, what signifies to you that like, huh, there might be another option? Um, usually when I'm starting um, thinking of the things I have to do in order to get that started, for instance, uh, that's when I notice that uh, there are little pieces or steps to do. For instance, uh, if I'm going to do the grocery, um, I first decide what I'm going to eat and then um, how I look at the ingredients, etc., 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 and then do the actual shopping. So when I start thinking of everything I need to do, uh, that's when I realize, hold on, there are steps to do. Uh, I can do some now, some later, or some today, some tomorrow. It's not 100% necessary to do the whole task like mm. grocery shopping just today. Ah. That's when I realized when it has like, if it is a puzzle, it would have different pieces. Got it, got it. So for you, you notice that you're being sort of all or nothing in your thinking when like the big stuff just feels like one block of things mm-hmm. rather than a bunch of pieces put together. Exactly. Yeah, I like that, I like that. Anything else that indicates to you guys when you're thinking in an all or nothing way? For me, I always feel like instantly, I feel like catastrophe is going to happen. Mm. I associate it with something that is extremely irrational. 
And I just feel like an actual like blocking force, like a big wave that's just like breaking on me um, when I think about initiating this task. And then this is how I know that this is something that um, is like, this is how I identify that I am thinking in this all or nothing way because it's so, it seems so big and so scary and so looming and so ginormous and intimidating. Yeah. So for you, I like that you identify that there's a physical sensation as well. Like it kind of feels like you're trapped, right? It kind of feels like this is my only option. Yeah. It's like pushing against my chest and it like pushes me away from like moving forward with, with this Mm. task. Yeah. I, I love that you identified that physical sensation. That's a really, really good one. Um, any, and, and so I, I've kind of identified three things that can help you. Like, if you're like, I don't know if I'm thinking in an all or nothing way, because I think sometimes it's glaringly obvious. Like, of course, there's more than one option here, but sometimes we're not really aware of the more subtle ways in which we think in an all or nothing way which it can be very, very subtle because it's so ingrained in us to think that way that we don't, we don't even think that there is another option, right? And so one is language. So if you notice that you're using language like I should or I shouldn't, I have to or I can't, I must or I mustn't. And using that type of language, when you hear that, like, oh, well, I should do this, why? Like, is there another option here? All there Are there alternatives? to this specific thing, especially if I'm feeling quite pressured to do something, we might want to look at, like, I love what what, uh, Trini brought up about, like, breaking it down into smaller pieces can often reduce some of that, like, oh my God, I have to, like, oh, well, I, I can do this, and then I can do this other thing, and then that can take me down the path, right? Another one, another way to identify is by asking yourself the question, is this a fact, or is this a feeling, right? And for example, um, we can use the, the example of like Trini was saying, like feeling like I need to do, I need to like get all of my meal planning done and all of my grocery shopping done in one go. And so that is a feeling because it comes from our perfectionistic side. It's like, I feel like I have to do all of this at once, right? And it comes because all three of you here, and I know everyone in this group is, they're all driven individuals, like all really ambitious, really driven you have like, I know we've got some people that are studying. We've got people that have like really high powered jobs with a lot of responsibility. And so it's kind of like, we have to go all in, otherwise it doesn't count. And so we can identify like, what are the facts here? And what is the feeling I am associating with this? And so for example, for example, for you, Carmen, you might be like, I'm noticing that I'm feeling kind of trapped, but here are the facts. The facts are like, I have to do this thing. I have this amount of time. And this is what I would like it to look like when it's finished. And that can help us sort of separate from, oh, there's only one way to do this. And this is how it's making me feel. And then the last one is to actually like give yourself a moment to consider like, what are other options here? And this can be, for example, like, um, I, I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you a nutrition example. Like, I have to meal prep all of my meals for the week. Otherwise, like there's no point and I'm just going to eat whatever I find. Like, is there another option? And this is where like writing this down, like what are other potential options? I think is really, really helpful 
in starting to move away from all or nothing thinking. And as you practice this stuff, like as you practice the writing it down and looking at other options, and this, and I, I'm, I'm going to say the word practice probably a billion times in this call, because we're not good at this stuff unless we start to practice. And practice feels shitty because practice we suck at, at the beginning, especially. And so what I'd like for you guys to do, I noticed, I noticed that Lauda has a pen and paper and uh, do, I, do both, of, uh, both of you have pen and paper available? Cool. I'd like you to choose a recent statement or a recent situation in which you think you might've been thinking in an all or nothing way. In which you might've felt like, this is like, I'm either catastrophizing, like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm gonna be a failure. Or you were like, no, I have to do this thing or I have to be this way, otherwise X, Y, Z is gonna happen. I want you to choose either a recent statement that you had in your head or a recent situation. And I'd like you to observe the language, like were you using words like should or shouldn't, have to, must, can't. I'd like you to, to ask yourself, what are the facts and what are the feelings? And I'd like you to list out what other options are possible. And I'm gonna give you guys, I'm gonna set a timer for 90 seconds. Actually, I'll give you two minutes. I think two minutes might be. All right. Anybody want to share? Sure. Okay, um, go for it. So I have, um, I have to leave everything ready, uh, everything at work ready before my trip. Okay. And um, I mean, at first it was a reality. Now I know it's a feeling. Because on second thoughts, I realized that it's not the end of the world. I can leave some stuff like waiting or uh, leave instructions for the people that are my backup for the trip. Of course, I can do as much as I can, but it's not going to be possible. Yeah. So how does that change how you feel about the situation, knowing that you have options and not just one thing is, is possible? It's, it makes me feel way less stressed, have to say, to start with. And, and also, um, yeah, less anxious that I'm, for, I'm, leaving, uh, I'm leaving some detail behind that I forgot about. Mm. Yeah, and I imagine that that might also change your motivation to actually want to do things because it feels like you have less pressure. So that sometimes make it, makes it easier to be like, well, I'm going to do what I can, but I'm not forcing myself to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I like that. Um, Carmen or Laura, do you, would you like to share? Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, it, I'm, I'm okay. I, I, I don't tend to have this mentality in a lot of areas except for food. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm okay. Like, like, for example, today I was late for the gym and, uh, um, you know, I had some personal training class and I was late and, and I couldn't do the full hour. And I said, okay, fine. Never mind. 40 minutes are better than nothing. Right. So mm. I think I do it quite naturally. Um, I think when it comes, I, I, I only have it when really comes to food. And I, for example, and I decide, um, you know, I want to stick to these two or three things that I want to do this week. And then mm -hmm. if I don't, um, I think, 
um, it's all destroyed. So ah. I, might as well, I might as well just uh, go on. Yeah. And, and continue so uh, that, that that's how that's what I would tend to do and I think what helped me in uh, in the past is uh, something that we talked about when you said it's okay if we do it we do it fine 80% of the times it doesn't have to be 100% perfect um, I think that that helped me out um, and also maybe um, I don't think I adjust my expectation to the moment I'm leaving Mm. I think also um, being a little bit kinder with myself and say maybe it's a good moment and then I can actually ask more from myself or it's not a good moment and then I need to sort of readjust a little bit what yeah what, what I want to do um, still in a way that I still feel that I'm making a little bit of progress mm-hmm. uh, but it's not impossible to to reach yeah yeah I I think that you you said that really really well where you're noticing like you're you're now aware of I'm forcing myself to do all of these things when I don't always have the capacity to do them. And so and so it sounds like here for you what could be really really helpful is this is the practice of like what are my other options? Right? Is like looking at well okay so if this is the option that's like 100% can I actually write down what the 80% option is? Can I actually write down what the 50% option is? Right. And that way you can be really clear for yourself of like, oh, I do have options. And I've also thought about them ahead of time so that in a moment of difficulty, I'm not necessarily like scrambling to figure it out. But I, I wanna move on to how do we actually start challenging our all or nothing thinking? Because I think that where, you know, we've identified that sometimes it's easier than others, right? Sometimes it's very aware, like we're very aware of, oh, this is kind of all or nothing. And then we get to choose, well, if I've noticed it's all or nothing, I can choose what I want to do with it. But then it's like, well, how do we challenge this if we're not like fully aware of when it is all or nothing. Because I think especially when it comes to food and exercise, we've sort of been sold this idea that it has to be all or nothing. We've been told that like you have to be all in, otherwise it doesn't count. And I think, I think Trini, you're a really good example of this. For example, on your last trip where you noticed, I remember you telling me on after your trip, you're like, I feel like I ate the things that I wanted, but I didn't eat them in the amounts that I normally would have eaten them. I mm-hmm. ate them- and I, and, and I left some of them, but I also enjoyed, and I think that this is a really good example of, of that like flexibility. And so when we start to challenge our all or nothing thoughts, what's really important is to, to practice them outside of critical situations. So like, for example, Laura, for you, you're like, I noticed that I do this a lot without food or around food. And so it's important to, to do intentional practice outside of those difficult weeks. Cause like, for example, you might say like, Hey, you know, next week, I know that I have a ton of like friend things coming up. I have, you know, I have a big, a big thing at work. I don't have a lot of, of mental capacity to think about other things. So trying to practice challenging all or nothing thinking in a week where you're like, Oh my God, I have so much going on is like, is really hard. And I think this is where you mentioned unrealistic expectations in our chat. 
And I think that this is where we create unrealistic expectations of ourselves is that like, I'm going to be able to manage all of these things and practice changing the way that I think when I don't have space for it. And so this is where it does take a little, you know, tension of being like, it feels uncomfortable to practice this, but I'm going to set aside time to do it when I have space for it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Any questions on that? Makes sense to me. Okay. And I think also what at least what helps will help to me was um, not to have a deadline. Because mm. the deadline tells you you need to be perfect or very good every single day because otherwise you're not going to reach that, that deadline. But if you don't have that, if it's just a lifetime, your lifetime is your deadline. Yeah. You just go ahead as you, as you go. I think it really sort of changes uh, the, 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 the way you, yeah, you see it, really. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I think that's a really, really astute statement. And... And I would ask, you know, in your, in your minds, I'd love to hear from both of you. What is the difference between an expectation and a standard? <laughs> the question of the, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's a tricky question because I work with establishing standards and expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that expectations is an ideal in your mind. An ideal in your mind, well, most of the time, of course, it's an ideal in your mind of what you are uh, going to achieve. It's the perfect situation that uh, if you have a goal, it's, the, it's reaching the 100% of course, and that's going to be when uh, the context is, is in favor. And then the standard is, let's say, um, I would say the most ideal situation too, or uh, the, sorry, the, the best you can achieve, but taking into consideration that life is not perfect, that there are setbacks, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say expectations, at least the ones I make in my mind is perfection when everything is 100% beautiful. And then there is a standard, like I can achieve this, taking into consideration my background, um, things that come, come up unexpected, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So it has to do with context. So the difference is like, what is that with a yeah. standard you take into, into consideration, like the context of my life, mm -hmm. whereas with an expectation is like, if everything goes to plan, this is what's going to happen. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Laura, would you add or change anything or do you have a different viewpoint? I, I think for me, the standard um, has to do with your values, things you believe in. Mm. It's there and it's there to, to, to sort of guide you somehow yeah. on the choices you make and the decision you take. Mm -hmm. I love that. An expectation is for me is more like a build up mental process of how something will happen or might happen or that, that we construct ourselves. Mm. I think you hit the nail on the head right there 
because one of the big differences in the way that I see it with standards and expectations is an expectation has to do with the result. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that if I do this thing, this is the result that I will achieve. Whereas a standard is like, this is the way I expect to act, whether or not a result happens. And so, and the reason that I wanted to bring this up is that a lot of the time with all or nothing thinking, it's very much tied to an expectation. If I do this thing perfectly, then I will achieve this outcome. And especially when it comes to, I can't speak for business, but especially when it comes to health and fitness is we cannot guarantee a result. And any, you know, I know there's a lot of coaches out there that will be like, lose 10 pounds in 30 days. And it's like, no one can guarantee that. But we often set an expectation And when that expectation is not met, we're very disappointed. But when we set standards, Mm -hmm. then we can like untie ourselves. Like Laura was saying, she was like, this is, I'm in this for a lifetime. And so I can set standards for myself. But if I set expectations, I might be very disappointed, which then leads to this like rabbit hole of motivate, low motivation. I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so the last two things I wanted to chat about with you two uh, are how to practice non-judgment and how to do compassionate self-reflection. And the reason that this is important is because when we judge the things that we do or we think as good or bad, we often are very resistant to compassionate self-reflection. And so if I'm like, oh, I, you know, I ate an entire loaf of bread, that was really bad. I don't want to think about it. I just want to move on from it. Like, I don't want to relive that. That's not helpful because we don't get to look at why. We don't get to get curious about why did this happen, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is, you know, this is something I've worked on with both of you. And I know that you've definitely progressed so much in it. And I think that starting to, practice intentional non-judgment is like this is not good or bad it just is and so if it is how do I get curious about why so that if I do decide that I want to change it I have the understanding to do so and so we can take let's take an example I think I think an overeating example is is probably pretty relevant where it's like let's say you know, it's the end of the day and you're like, oh my gosh, I just really want a cookie. And you go and you eat maybe more cookies than you wanted to eat. And you're like, oh my God, that was so bad. I can't believe I did that. That was so bad. And so in your head, you say that was bad. I'm a failure. I'm failing in what I'm trying to do. Which is an all or nothing, like catastrophe, kind of catastrophizing thing to think. And so then what do you do is you try to do something on the other side of that, something that's quote unquote good, to make up for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, I was bad, so now I need to be good. And when we look at this from a place of non-judgment, instead of like, this was bad, now I need to be good, is like, oh, this happened. It's not a good thing or a bad thing, it happened. And so then I I can reflect and say, what were the factors that led into that happening, right? 
And so we know, like, we're very clear here on like what a balanced meal looks like. We're very clear here on like the fact that we want to be eating regularly throughout the day so we don't get too hungry. Like we know this stuff. I'm very confident in you guys. But when we can look at, at a situation like perhaps eating too many cookies as, okay, this happened. What are the factors that led into it? And it might be like, I have been going, going, going at work all day long and I haven't had a moment for myself. Maybe I didn't get very much sleep last night. And so I'm hungrier than normal. Maybe, you know, emotionally, I'm not feeling that awesome. And I really would like some comfort. Like I, what I could really use is a hug, but I don't have anybody to hug me right now. Maybe it's, I, you know, I really don't want to do my laundry. And so I'm going to avoid doing my laundry by eating something because that's a great distraction. Like there's so many different reasons. And if we can identify like, well, what are the things that led into this? Then our energy can be focused on instead of I need to be good, it can be focused on how do I make it easier to not do the thing that doesn't lead, that doesn't align with my values and my standards and my goals. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. Any questions on that? I believe it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It is. And this is where, so I'm actually, I want to, I want you to stop for a second and I want you to think back to something that, that you may have done in the past that you judged as bad, that you were like, this is bad. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And now I want you to, to practice some self-reflection. I want you to actually close your eyes and picture yourself as a child. So we're, we're actually going to split this up. First, I'm gonna, I want you to write down a situation or, or when you did something or you're in a situation that you were like, this was bad, I shouldn't have done this, like disappointed in myself. Go ahead and write that down. Okay. And now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture yourself as a child. Like you're a cute, adorable, little, like amazing little kid. And how would you speak to that child? How would you speak to yourself as a kid to help you learn and grow from that situation that you judged as bad, that you were disappointed in yourself? Go ahead and write that down. How would you coach that kid to making a different decision next time? Would you like, would anyone like to share? how they might have talked or coached their themselves through something like this? I have to say I totally blank. That poor child is gonna suffer. <laughs> All right, so it, it, was, it was tough to come up with a situation. Yep, okay. uh, not with the situation in my mind, I was about to say something and uh, the thing is, like, I would say exactly the same to the child as I would do to my adult self. So okay. it's like, what? A child so, would not understand that. And and just to be, so I want to share a little bit about why I, I chose to, like, have you think about your child. And the reason why I, I mentioned kind of your yourself as a child is because we often talk to ourselves in, in a really rude way. Like we are not very nice to ourselves in our heads. 
and we like beat ourselves up. We're like, you're never going to do that again. I can't believe you did that. And like when we, but when we talk to a kid, like someone we love, like we don't talk to them like that. We talk to them as like, Hey, you know, maybe next time, like maybe you want to try this. Like maybe this could be helpful. Like this is why that didn't work. And this is important for that compassionate self-reflection because we should know by now that talking to ourselves like an asshole doesn't work, but we still do it. And so you could, I mean, it could be your, your, yourself as a child. It could be your best friend. We want to start thinking about how do I reflect on these situations that I act in, in a way that don't live up to my own standards. How do I want to start talking to myself in a way that actually is encouraging and helpful rather than like demeaning or mean or like hurtful? So I want to give you guys a couple minutes to ask some questions. So any, any questions about anything we talked about or anything that we maybe didn't talk about that you wanted to know more about? I don't, don't think so. Um, for me, it's, I believe it's all good. Maybe something comes up later. Yeah. How, what do we think about this session? Any, any feedback for me? I really like it because it made me think of how I talk to myself um, in a very poor way that I might not, uh, I might not uh, talk, let's say to other people like that. Um, yeah, it made me realize of a couple of things about how I treat myself so happy with that good good um question and comment yeah yeah um do you have anything on cognitive distortion that I can read something more that I because I, I suppose the binary thinking is only one aspect of it right yeah it'd be interesting to I don't know anything you can recommend yeah, so that is that is uh, a really, really, really good question. And I love that you want to investigate that a little bit more. So we have, I'm like thinking right now, we have a podcast on the Be Well Cartel specifically about cognitive distortions. Um, and there are, let me look through some of the articles that I have saved okay. and see if there's anything specifically. Um, I'm going to make a note. Okay, uh, thank you. Okay, right. Now, so I, I think that the session is interactive and, uh, you know, that will bring us our thoughts and it's a bit of a collective uh, session. Yeah. Right? So, and I, I like that. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is, so do you feel like you guys are walking out of here with some helpful tools that you can use in your day-to-day? -day? Yep. Good. Totally. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being here. Any other questions that come up, go ahead and drop them in the group and I'll go ahead, I'll send the podcast episode and I'll also send any articles that I can find on cognitive distortions. Um, actually, I have a PDF that I will drop in there as well because I put together um, I put together a PDF on it as well a while back. And yeah, any questions you guys have, go ahead and drop them in the group. Thank you so much for being here. Sorry, thank I was a little bit late. I apologize. And have an amazing rest of your day, rest of your evening. It's nighttime for you guys. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Ciao. See you. See you. Bye.